Hey everybody, this is Growing Up Skywalker and I'm Anna. I'm Sam. Happy Tuesday. Today we have finished up the Clone Wars movie and we are diving into, we're diving back into the Clone Wars TV series with two episodes that take place in direct chronological order. We're doing Clone Cadets, which is season three, episode one and Supply Lines, season three, episode three. So these ones aren't strictly part of an arc with each other, but they definitely occur chronologically before anything else. Yeah, we're setting up an arc that is going to take place very soon Mm -hmm. in the future. So what happened in uh, Clone Cadets, first of all? Oh my god, I'm so excited. Okay, so we're on the planet of Kamino. We immediately meet Jedi General Shakti. Who is a Togruta-like She is the most beautiful thing, person I've ever seen. (laughs) She's so beautiful. She is a tall Togruta wearing voluminous robes. Luminous eyes, mm-hmm. calm voice. And then her uh, her head tail, which is called Leku. Leku and Montals. Montals are the spiky things on top of their mm-hmm. heads that give them height. And then Leku are the tails that fall like down their backs. And hers are enormous. They're really long. They're graceful. Yeah, which... Might just be, you know, she's she's well gifted as a Togruta. She's got some assets. <laughs> she has many assets. She's beautiful. She's the Jedi general overseeing the training of the clone cadets for the Republic Army. Mm-hmm. Although it sounds like the Jedi are stretched really thin because the Jedi have also commissioned bounty hunters to additionally train the clone cadets. So anyway, we are taken into this episode witnessing the final practice test of a couple of squads of clones. Uh, We see Domino Squad Mm -hmm. struggling mightily, and that's how we're introduced to Heavy, Fives, Echo, Cut-Up, and Droid Bait. Although uh, Echo doesn't like his name, Fives won't be called by anything but his name because he's, he's a CT5555. Oh, my God. And uh, Cut, Cut up, up doesn't have a name. And neither does Heavy yet. Heavy doesn't want to be called Heavy. Uh, they don't call him Heavy until later. Oh, interesting. And yeah, Droid Bait doesn't have a name either. So we just no, have... he does. He's Droid Bait. Oh, God. And he, lives so... with, and he lives with it. That is the worst clone name I've ever heard. Yeah. So Shakti and the leaders of the clone training are seeing all of the flaws of Domino Squad. They're short-sighted, they're selfish, according to Shakti. They fail their practice test. Badly. Badly, because they disobey orders, they leave a man behind. And Brick, who is one of the bounty hunters, wants to fail them. Brick is a cinetine, which is a species which has massive megamind brain going on. He's eminently hateable. I yeah. hate him so much. Yeah. I hate him so much. Oh, he's a big meanie. He is a big meanie. And then LS, the other guy. Who- is a big softie. Yeah. They're he's, like good cop, nice. bad cop. They are. Ellis is fighting for Domino Squad to get a chance to take their practice test again. Brick is like, fail them immediately. Make them maintenance clones. And then we're introduced to Clone 99, who is also called Shorty. 99 is a obviously flawed clone. He's hunchbacked. He's got well, gnarly skin. I would push back on your use of this the descriptor flawed. Okay. Be, but we can talk about that later. I have a lot of thoughts about 99. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so we we cut to a scene of Domino Squad fighting amongst themselves, which continues for pretty much the entire episode. Mm-hmm. We cut to Shakti talking with Lamasu, 
who is the Kaminoan prime minister, yeah. prime minister, mm-hmm. who's also kind of in charge of the clone production process. And we discover that Django Fett's genes, which were initially used to create the clones, have been stretched and stretched and stretched to make more clones, apparently leading to quote unquote deficient clones. That uh, doesn't make any sense from a genetics point of view, because you can really easily copy DNA. It's what our cells do every day. But Is um, this a plot device? It is a plot device. Okay. Or it's an excuse by Lama Su to explain why these clones are deficient, because this is still early in the war and they continue making clones for the next three years. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, we see some amazing Shakti scenes. We'll definitely have to talk about it. There's a long plot line where Domino Squad doesn't look like they're going to pull it together in time for their final graduation exam. Well, and then they they don't. They don't. Yeah. They're given the Citadel challenge again. Bravo Squad crushes it and they become ARC troopers. I mean, at least they're in. They pass. Yeah, they pass. They graduate. They're on their way. Yeah. And then... Domino Squad meets Commander Colt. He's overseeing their final practice exam. He calls them pretty unorthodox. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing the best they possibly can, or the best they've done so far. And they're about to make it, but they leave droid bait behind and uh, or cut up behind. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's when they fail. I was getting their exams mixed up. Mm-hmm. So after they fail again, fives and droid bait. Fives and cut up? It's it's really hard to tell because at this point, they all look identical. Yeah, two of the clones request that they get transferred to Bravo Squad. I think it's Fives and Echo, but yeah. Interesting. That would make sense. They're kind of the overachievers of the mm-hmm. group. There's an amazing scene with Shakti where she says, I'm a Jedi where the individual and the group are one and the same, much like you clones. And you're going to have to solve your problems as a whole and not as individuals. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's so good. And also, uh, Heavy is going to go AWOL. Yeah, Heavy is going to go AWOL. Um, Cut Up is getting like intimidated and harassed by Brick. Yeah. So uh, Shakti says, I'll let you take your final exam one more time. So it is really down to the wire mm-hmm. for this group of five clones because the threat is that if they don't pull it together in time, they're going to become maintenance clones like 99. But during these events of Cut Up getting intimidated by Brick and Heavy going AWOL, they have transformative moments. They do, which I want to talk about more in depth. So we'll just sum up the plot by saying they get to retake their graduation exam. Brick tries to sabotage them. He takes their ascension cables out of their belt. So their Mm -hmm. final Citadel challenge, they don't have any grappling hooks and ascension cables to get up the wall of the citadel, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And they have to come up with this beautiful and ingenious solution using the entire skills of all of the team members. They deactivate the guns in the wall. They form a chain. They get to the top and they graduate. Yep. And Shakti calls them perhaps the finest soldier she's ever seen. I'd like to point out, we watched this one together and Anna cried the entire second half. I was going to say, this is an appropriate time to mention that I cried so hard I gave myself a splitting headache. She she soaked my shirt. Through. That is the hardest I've cried in so long. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. There's there's a lot of emotion in this, which is amazing because it's, uh, you know, six clones and Brick and LS and Shakti. And that's the entire cast of what's going on here. And there's not a terrible amount of action. You know, it's 
three scenes through the Citadel, and then a few fistfights in the locker room. Yeah, there's not a ton of action, but the emotional action. Like on the cryometer scale of 1 to 10, this was an 11. <laughs> oh my gosh. I uh, I have so much to say. Where do you want to start? Um, I have a lot to say about Brick and LS. Okay, let's start there. So Ellis is my fave. Yeah, I um so the first time I watched this, I was like, ah yes, you know, Brick is the bad cop and LS is the good cop. And then in the moment where Brick uh meets with cut up in the hangar you know he sends him like a secret note as the cut up's like ah yes you've asked to meet me here yeah and brick pulls a breakfast club like ah young man you mess with a bull you're gonna get the horns uh i i think it's more full metal jacket when he says who you know he gives up in full metal jackets he gives private joker his name it's like what are you some kind of joker you think everything's a cut up Mm. so it's very much that line as he's beating him up yeah, it's horrifying. I mean, he punches him like once. But he's in a position of authority. He is. Over this clone. So as I was watching over this, I was like, I wonder what kind of weird alien Brick is. And he's a hmm. cinetine, and they have actual megaminds. They're so smart that they're able to compute hyperspace drums without an astromech droid. He's smart and yet casually cruel. I disagree. He is smart in that he pushes the exact buttons that they need. That is a really generous look at the antagonist of this episode. You are an antagonist apologizer, Sam. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that's I, I, I see that. Brick actually where he pushes their buttons because he's the one who took away the ascension cables. He's the one who's yelling at them. He's the one who like he lets them know that he's ready to fail them before they even get to their final exam to make them try harder. But the thing is that the threat of failure isn't what motivates them into success. It is compassion and empathy and appealing to their better natures, their brotherhood that Mm -hmm. pushes them to succeed. So Brick's tactics, in my mind, are not effective. So between Echo, who is um, unable to adapt to the situation, as Shakti says at the beginning, and Cutup, who thinks it's all a big joke, and Heavy, who always is willing to fly solo, I think none of them are taking it seriously. And so... Which is interesting because this is their futures they're gambling mm-hmm. with. Especially because as we talk later with Heavy, or sorry, with 99 and Heavy, where 99 says at least you had a chance. I never had a squad. I never had a chance. Between those two conversations, you see how the stakes have been raised for Domino Squad. And when the stakes are raised is when they have the opportunity to shine. Hmm. Okay. I have a slightly different thought on that, but it's it's my big point. So I'm going to save it. Okay. What do you want to talk about in this episode? Well, what did you think about Ellis? Um. He was exceptionally compassionate, but I don't think he added anything that Shakti didn't already have as far as her own counsel. However, the two of them from a big picture perspective, I, um, there is a moment early on where I believe it's Fives who's saying, well, I don't know why I have to get trained by a bounty hunter instead of a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And Brick says, they're too busy for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think on the macro scale, Ellis and Brick represent two different perspectives on the clones, where which is really beautifully illustrated. They have a conversation where Brick says, why do you care about them? And Ellis says, why don't you? And Ellis says, we should treat Domino Squad as a special challenge. 
Brooke says we should treat them as failures. Mm -hmm. And then Ellis is like, I have faith that they can be the finest clones that we've ever trained. Ellis has an eye for potential where it looks like Brick just has an eye to tear them down. You know, that definitely seems like the way that it is meant to be portrayed, but I stand by my Brick is a Megamind uh, thought process that he, right. he engineered a lot of First this. is Darth Jar Jar, then it's Brick is a nice guy. When is it going to end? Oh, he's not nice. He's not good. He is paid to get results, and this is the results that he's given. He seems to know how to motivate them. And it's an interesting carrot and stick problem that some... It's all stick. Yeah. But clone, some clones are like, ah, oh, yes, all we need is a carrot. And some clones need a little bit of stick. And apparently Domino Squad needs stick. I really want to talk about Shakti. I know. Tell us all about Shakti. Did you totally see that coming? At some point. Yeah. Okay. Shakti is literally who I want to be. Like, <laughs> I want to be beautiful and competent and compassionate and... Actually, I want to be Shakti, but you know what I want more is I want Anakin to be Shakti. Because Okay, no, here's why. Um, Shakti says to Lamassu, Jedi do not feel concern. Mm-hmm. If there's ever a statement in Star Wars that is more opposite than Anakin's mindset, I would like to find it. And I would like someone to point it out to me. Now that That's very true that he does live in a constant state of concern for all sorts of things. He cares almost too much because Shakti is the arbiter of these clones' fate, and she is 100% willing to let them fail. Yeah. She wears that mantle of enormous responsibility so gracefully. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a valued part of having the bounty hunters and the Jedi as sort of the greater good cop, bad cop, because Shakti is able to say, you know, I have, I, I'm not here coaching you. I'm here overseeing the whole process. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Just imagine how different Star Wars would be if Anakin had been able to inhabit that mentality that Jedi don't feel concern. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, his his concern is on a purely personal basis. And that's, I think, Anakin's flaw hmm. is that he cares about his personal problems. But when it comes to persecuting the war... He doesn't seem to have as many concerns. In fact, we'll see that really importantly in that next episode we watch. Mm, interesting. Not, not the exact next, the next arc. The next arc. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I also want to talk about ninety nine. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Buckle in, kids. I have so many thoughts. I actually brought myself to tears again thinking about 99. I was in the car on a long drive, and some of my realizations about 99 hit me like a freight train. So buckle in. So 99, all the other clones are identical looking, but 99 has strained skin, hunched back, and he's the maintenance clone. He's called in to clean everything up, and and the threat is always that these clones will become maintenance clones. Yeah, he's become kind of the boogeyman in the basement. Like, oh, you better not mess up or you're going to become just like Shorty over there. Mm -hmm. But he's sitting there when Domino Squad is getting dressed down by Brick and he says, you don't give them enough credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for him to speak up in the first five or six minutes of the episode in their defense is really beautiful. I mean, I didn't have a lot of compassion for Domino Squad five or six minutes in because I was like, 
these guys are a bunch of hacks. Like mm-hmm. they're not trying at all, mm-hmm. but it becomes more meaningful to see 99 stand up for them again and again and again. The other thing, 99, 99 has two other really important moments in this episode. Oh yeah. One of them is when he gives heavy his name because during when brick was beating up cut up, that's when cut up gets his name. And when Heavy is about to go AWOL, that's when 99 gives him his name. Okay. So 99 says, you can't do this to your squad. And then Heavy says, we're nothing but a bad batch. Mm -hmm. Ah! I haven't even seen Bad Batch yet, but like, (laughs) I understand foreshadowing. Um, Yeah. Heavy says, we're failures just like you. And then 99 says... You're not like me. You have your brothers. I never got a chance and you have a chance because he's obviously physically, you know, not capable of going into battle or at least wearing normal clone armor. Okay. I have thoughts about that. Here's the conversation. 99 says, how can I be a failure when I never even got my chance? Mm -hmm. And this is a chance that you are throwing away. Embrace that you have a team. I never had that. But you need them and they need you. Why carry such a heavy burden when you have your brothers at your side? I cried so hard. The fortune cookie for this episode is brothers in arms or brothers for life. And I was just like, oh, brotherhood, Mm -hmm. unity, valor. Mm -hmm. God, is this why people like war movies? Part of it, like this, um, the sense of brotherhood and battle brothers is a really important thing in really human culture in general. It goes back to like the Odyssey. You know, you've got um, Achilles and his battle brothers, like just being distraught over each other's deaths. And that's Mm. thousands and thousands of years ago. It's something that goes through all of human history that you put people in tough situations and they form incredibly intimate bonds. And that is what is trying to be fostered amongst the clones. That's something that Shakti says at the very beginning, unity wins wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of a multitude of amazing Shakti quotes. <laughs> the other extremely important 99 moment is at the very end. Yes. Okay. Let me, let me get my... Okay, can I relay this conversation that 99 and Heavy have? Of course. So 99 is like skulking around after Domino Squad graduates. He comes up to Heavy because all the other clones walk off and Heavy is the only one left. And he says, I heard you were quite the leader out there. In a moment of beautiful character development, Heavy says, no leaders, we are a team all of us. And he looks at 99, who says, the army is lucky to have a clone like you. I'm sorry, I'm crying. And Heavy says, not as lucky as I am to have a brother like you. And then Heavy gives his medal to 99. And that's, and says, I'll have to come back to pick this up sometime. I was crying so hard, I couldn't see the screen, actually. So I I had to just listen to the dialogue. And Fortunately, that's the end of the episode. So, oh my God. This is, needless to say, this is an extremely emotional episode. I didn't think when I signed up to watch this animated cartoon that I would spend half of it crying. Especially because it's a bunch of identically voiced, identical looking dudes. Oh my God, I love them so much. (laughs) Okay, but I have a spicy take. Yeah, spicier than Brick actually being the good guy. That is, I'm I'm deeply impressed with how you spun me around on that one, but maybe, (laughs) maybe. Okay, this is a monologue performed by me. 
Anna, who loves <laughs> Demonstrative the monologue. <laughs> okay, bear with me. So this episode, one of the themes is that individuality can create ingenuity, right? Mm-hmm. We see Domino Squad overcome the obstacles to pass the Citadel Challenge in a really unorthodox way. So clones are actually at a deficit when they do all think the same. Mm-hmm. Because when they all think the same, like Bravo Squad, there are no new ideas to solve problems, right? This is actually what we mean when we talk about the importance of diversity and inclusion, like in the workplace, in organizations. When you have different kinds of people at the table, it helps you solve problems that you wouldn't be able to solve otherwise. When you have different brains around the table, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yeah. Here's what I think. I think that 99, the maintenance clone, has seen so many clones pass through this training program. Mm -hmm. He has knowledge of what they need to do. He has empathy. He has intuition about what makes each individual clone shine. He could be a great general in wartime, but he was never given the chance. And you want to know why? Because the Kaminoans think that individuality is a deficit. Individuality makes you deficient. Mm -hmm. But I would say that 99's individuality, his disability, uh, his stature, his size, his physical strength, I think all of that enables him to be more ingenious, right? Yeah, I see that. It's really hard for me to watch him being born into this life that he didn't ask for, Mm -hmm. have a disability that causes him to be labeled deficient and defective, and then be relegated to menial work. It's, It's so hard for me to watch his potential and intelligence get squashed by prejudice. Yeah, that is. That's, I think, a lot. There's a lot to be said on that. It reminds me of that. I don't know what the exact saying is, but it's something like, how many geniuses were never acknowledged because they were enslaved? Yeah, for sure. And it leads me to something sort of uplifting in my life of recognizing that like, I might not be the best at anything in my life, but I might have been the best mammoth hunter ever if I'd been born. Yeah, you or, could have been the caveman who discovered fire Yeah, or, or the wheel. Or the person who's going to, you know invent cold fusion was unfortunately born before the wheel. Absolutely. But the thing is that 99 is living in a world that could genuinely use his talents Mm -hmm. and instead prejudice by those in power squashes his potential before he even gets a chance to shine. One of Bull's items is actually the, you know, crazy wheels of capitalism running here, which is that Mm -hmm. the Kaminoans are contracted to deliver a product. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, everything that fails that product is, you know, a loss for them instead of a profit. Yeah, Each like if you're trying to manufacture M&Ms, you want them all to be the right color. And when they get all melted and funky looking, like you can't deliver those M&Ms. Even when, the, when they're the most delicious ones. Absolutely. 99 is a delicious M&M. Oh, I love him so much. That's what I was crying about in the car. So I'm pretty sure that the next episode doesn't even twitch your cryometer, but this episode, it's 11 Im- out of 10. It's Im- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clone Cadets is the hardest I've cried in a long time. And those thoughts on the inequity of the clone army will stay with me probably for the rest of the series because I'm now firmly on the side of how do we fault clones for defecting mm-hmm. from slavery. Interesting. Especially interesting in note of cat and mouse. 
of when Slick. Absolutely. That's what I was thinking. I had even more new empathy for Slick for wanting something Mm -hmm. more. Anyway, it's embarrassing that Supply Lines is after this episode because it really just like can't even hold a candle to clone cadets. I love Supply Lines. All right. Tell me what you love about Supply Lines. All right. Well, let's let's talk about what happens in Supply Lines. Okay. Tell me what happens. So Supply Lines opens up and there is a blockade over the planet Ryloth and Jedi General Imagundai is there uh, defending it and with, uh, with Cham Sindula, who is the leader of the Ryloth Resistance. While they're there, they realize that they cannot break this blockade. Mm-hmm. The general, General Dow, over, or the Admiral, Admiral Dow. So the Admiral in space is blown up. And as they're phoning in to base, and they're like, well, we can't do anything. We're spread too thin. So they get in touch with Bail Organa. This is important because the Twi'lek, Twi'lek? They pronounce it both ways in this episode. Yeah, there's two different pronunciations. I'm going to say Twi'lek. Yeah, that's what it's normally called. The Twi'lek native population is starving. Yes. So they desperately need supplies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Jedi Council gets in touch with Bail Organa and says, we need you to talk to the Toydarians, who is Watto's people. They're the hovering, Mm -hmm. funky blue people with big noses and fat butts and uh <laughs> oh to be a toy darian with a dump truck <laughs> yeah for real uh so is toy daria like the closest planet over from ryloth it must be yeah okay or it has a direct straight shot yeah i mean it's, it's like hyperspace so the lines are different than yeah. they are in real space yeah but it's right there and they say oh well the representative from Naboo is there but we, we need your help to negotiate and, and Bale says impossible Senator Padme is a fantastic diplomat and they're like no I'm afraid it's Jar-Jar Representative Binks Obi-Wan is so disappointed to tell him that but <laughs> and this is important for my take of this episode Organa's like I can work with this yeah so he arrives the Tardarians are not friendly they're pretty grouchy. Well, they're trying to maintain neutrality, which actually I do respect. Yeah. The importance of their neutrality is that if they don't favor the separatists or the Republic, ostensibly they get to remain free from being attacked by both sides or either side. Ostensibly. So that's important. But they sure do like the Trade Federation. Uh, so they get there and they meet, uh, Organa meets Jar Jar Binks and they're ready to have an audience before the king. However, they're spied on by Count Dooku, and Count Dooku sends Trade Federation Senator Lot Dodd. Yes. Now, I'd like to put an aside here. I looked it up. Lot Dodd is inspired by Senate Majority Leader Trent Lott. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... All of the Trade Federation is named after 90s Republicans, oh and I find that hilarious. Oh, my God. This is the best Easter egg I've ever seen. It's... um. It's like the the funny way that Hollywood sometimes makes fun of politicians. This is like the most blatant way of doing Can it. Can you imagine the writer's room? Yeah. Well, it's it's all George Lucas. Like he he named this character because this character exists in the movies. Lot Dodd does. Man. But anyway, he shows up. He is a short Nimodian with a huge hat. Yeah, I wrote down Newt Gunray shows up, and then I like had to cross it out and put Lot Dodd shows up. That's speciesist. They're different Nimodians. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Not everyone can look as distinct as Ahsoka and Shakti, okay? So they are having a talk, and Lot Dodd brings up a bunch of points, namely that although the Republic is saying, hey, just calmly uh, 
give us some supplies. Yeah, the king of Tordere is like, absolutely, compassion is part of our core mm-hmm. values. We'll happily send some supplies to the Twi'leks. And then Dot is like, sure is a shame about that separatist blockade you'll be breaking. And the Tordarians freak out. So they have a vote and decide not to help the Republic. Okay, and then the king of Tordaria kind of flutters up to Bale and Jar Jar and is like, yo. We actually will help, but we're only letting you move what supplies you've brought with you. So they start loading up all those supplies onto small ships to send to Ryloth. Meanwhile, on Ryloth, Imagundai is setting up a last stand because the forces are shattered, everything's falling apart, his people are dying everywhere. They have one gunship to start evacuating people, but it's not enough to move everyone. So they set it up as a bomb to yeah. close off one of the pathways so they have a more defensible position. General Dai has a really ingenious plan, mm-hmm. which is to turn that gunship into a bomb and, and block off the advance of the battle droids. And as he says that, his clone captain has like such a sad look on his face. He's like, oh... Another brilliant idea, because it seems like he's like, well, I guess I'm going to die here. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Uh, So they set up their defense, and Bail Organa gets uh, ready to hold a formal dinner with the Trade Federation and the Tridarians. But But it's a decoy dinner. Yeah, and so Organa dips to go load up the ships. And And we see the best use of Jar Jar as comedic relief that I have seen thus far in Star Wars. Bail Organa successfully weaponizes Jar Jar. It is incredibly wonderful. So Jar Jar has a little earpiece and uh, they're in this floating dinner. Yeah, can you imagine trying to eat dinner while you're like rapidly spinning in circles? And the Tardarians are like already hovering. It seems kind of rough. They're not spinning. It's just like the table like spins up 90 degrees. So they're on a hover table. And the ships are like flying by past Yeah, Bale's like, okay, go, go, go. And so Jar Jar gets up (laughs) and says, (laughs) Misa creating work of traditional Gungan conceptual art. Oh my God. Performative art piece, and he grabs everyone's uh, flatware, all like, their plates oh, and cups. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, did you enjoy that? Oh, delicious. I'm going to take it now. <laughs> I heard Tordarians really like this, but I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's juggling these plates. Lot Dodd is like almost onto it, but not enough. Mm-hmm. So Jar Jar's like juggling and waving his arms and like distracting them from whatever window is facing the, the ships. And then he starts stacking them. By, like, bouncing them off his feet and, like, juggling them and spinning these plates onto each other. It's and really juggling. impressive. It's, it's quite impressive. The other Nimodian who's next to Lot Dot is obviously impressed. But then as he's doing his finale, uh, Jar Jar is distracted by one of the ships flying by behind everyone because they're, he's looking the opposite direction. Yeah. Everyone's looking at him. The and ship Lot Dot is like, what are you looking at? Jar Jar's like, nothing. So they all look that way. Jar Jar is <laughs> explaining himself and the last ship flies behind him. Oh, it's so wonderful. Can I also say that the way that Jar Jar introduces his piece of conceptual art is so wonderful. He's like, gentlemen and gentlemen, <laughs> which is calling out that there are no women. In yes, this I made a note of that too. Gentlemen and gentlemen. gentlemen. <laughs> oh, it's so, so delightful. So the ships get by. And they are flying directly overhead right as Amagundai and Captain Keeley are making their last stand. And they get shot down. Very sad. Captain Keeley takes a grenade. He pops back up. They fight for a little while longer. Imagundai 
eats he's up the last days. fighter standing mm-hmm. and he sacrifices himself just as the supplies arrive mm-hmm. as the Twi'leks are escaping over the mountains. Mm-hmm. Which I had a thought. I'm like, man, I'll cry for 45 minutes about it, clone cadets. And then General Dai martyrs himself in an episode. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm. We didn't get any character development for him. He was cool. He's amazing with a lightsaber. Yeah. He's very cool, but I don't care about him. He's got some sweet moves. Yeah. And then uh, they are, everyone's leaving Toydaria. And Lot Todd comes up and says, I heard that the blockade was broken and everyone's like i don't know anything about that and bale's like well if you have any proof you can take it to the senate knowing very well that the senate you mm-hmm. know will filibuster about it for 18 years and then be like uh inconclusive mm-hmm. and uh king katunka of the toydarians is like ah ha ha and jar jar just waves and smiles it's a real ha 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 it's yeah. a real <laughs> Not a hee hee hee. And King Katunka says, you guys have done a really great job. I think it's time for us to reconsider our neutrality and I'll happily meet with a Jedi general. Which is going to launch us straight into ambush, which is the pilot episode finally of the Clone Wars. Yes. So on that note, as far as chronological order, we're from this point on pretty much in normal chronology with very few exceptions. That's really nice. I'm excited. It is because this was, yeah, this is when we're getting into the group of things. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a whole lot more to say about supply lines. I thought the fortune cookie was really on the nose. It was where there's a will, there's a way. But actually, I think General Dai says something way more interesting at the beginning of the episode, which is war turns promises into hopes. And mm-hmm. I really wish it wasn't so. Ooh, yeah. it's really good. Uh, I'm a gun Dai's name. Also, another little name. Uh, okay, tell me. Easter egg here is it's obviously I'm going to die. No. Yeah, that's what Dave Filoni <gasps> named him. Sam. Yeah. How could you tell me this? I don't know how you missed it. This is blatant disrespect for the dead. I'm kind of into it. It's really funny. As far as uh, supply lines, it is, in fact, the Jar Jar episode. There's a handful of Jar Jar episodes scattered throughout the Clone Wars TV series. Yeah, it's a non-heinous Jar Jar episode. I thought he was wonderful in this one. Yes, because he is successfully weaponized. <laughs> and also everyone is, you know, calling out the fact that Jar Jar sucks. Everyone's sad that it's Jar Jar well, on Toydaria. Obi-Wan is. Uh, Mace Windu is like, it's Jar Jar Bings. I don't care. I'm Mace Windu. And Bail Organa is like... <laughs> Okay, this is less than ideal, but I can work with this. And yeah, I, okay. I like that. Yeah. Bale is growing on me. Yeah. Do you have any spicy takes on this episode? Other than it's nowhere near as compelling to watch a Jedi and a whole unit of clone soldiers die as it is to watch possibly some clones fail their high school graduation. That is my take. Yes, <laughs> accurate. No, actually, you want to know the only note I have written down for this episode? The Trade Federation is extremely annoying always. <laughs> And notes. And notes. That's all I got. They are extremely annoying. Actually, I did write down this episode would be extremely confusing if I didn't know what was coming up next. I would be like, this whole elaborate rigmarole with Toydaria and neutrality 
and blockades and political alliances. If this was like my first Clone Wars episode, I would be like IDGAF. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Unfortunately, back to the chronology problem, basically all of the episodes we've watched now have been kind of full episode flashbacks that when they occurred, took place out of time because these take place during season three, but they take place before season one. Mm. So that's, uh, I, I really see where you're coming from. If we were to watch this in release order, you would watch them. And I don't think that the um, emotional impact would be as great. Yeah. Especially because by season three, you're kind of sick of Jar Jar episodes. I, yeah, we'll have to see. I think supply lines for me reminds me quite a bit of the prequel movies in that there's a lot of it's for me having studied foreign policy. It's a real foreign policy 101, like international relations 101 class mm-hmm. where they're like, there's a humanitarian crisis on Ryloth and then they're doing econometrics and they're doing negotiations and diplomacy. And I'm like, I didn't like sign up to watch a Saturday morning cartoon that reminds me of being in college again. <laughs> he probably didn't sign up to cry either. Oh my God. I had to take an Advil. <laughs> like my face was red. I had a splitting headache. I cried so hard. I even rewatched it for quotes and cried again at the same places. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. Only a little bit. They knew what they were doing. So I can see that you're trying to surprise me about who your bay is going to be. Are you saying it's time for Baywatch? Yes. It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. All right. I want to I wanna start this one. Okay, go for yeah, it. Yeah, because I know you're not going to take my bay. Wait, you- let me, is it Brick? No. Oh, okay. Who's your bay? Jar Jar. Really? <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Jar Jar's conceptual art piece is so good. And when you see him, you're like, okay, he's out of his depth. He knows he's out of his depth. He's super grateful that Organa shows up to like give him some help. But then he goes in, he knows what to, and like the whole make a distraction, he didn't plan for that. He didn't have anything. He didn't know that they were in a room completely surrounded by windows. And what does he do? He's time for traditional Gungan art. And he like <laughs> starts juggling, juggling. Jar Jar is saved the day by He's juggling. He's really good at it too. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. It's uh, it's really remarkable seeing him. And he's like, especially watching it with the subtitles, his little lines are very funny. Like the things he's saying to everyone. It's it's the high point of the episode for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and secondary bay from the first episode is gonna be Brick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because after thinking about him being a mega mind and how he pressured them, he applied the pressure that they needed to thrive, and they turned from coal into diamonds. Well, particularly when he took away their ascension hooks. Yeah. Because like that took forethought. And he did play it off. He's like, oh, well, you know, this is all fine. And Chakti is it's like, yes, of course, it's uh, war isn't fair. And so they're going to have to deal with yeah. this. Actually, yeah, I was going to say that was one of my favorite Shakti quotes from the episode. Adversity and war is a constant. The enemy won't play fair either. Mm-hmm. Ooh, wisdom so from the mouth of a babe. So that's a little bit of a double dip. So you can also choose Jar Jar as your bae if you want. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, well, upon first watching, my bay was actually Ellis, 
but I think you've convinced me that he didn't really add a lot to this episode, Clone Cadets. He was a foil. He was a good foil. I'm a real sucker for the Rodian eyes. Yeah. Rodian? He's not a Rodian, but he does have the Rodian eyes. That they're so like beautiful. Staring into space. Yeah, they're, they're pretty. Yeah, they're gorgeous. I'm real sucker for Alice, but there's no surprises. It's 99. 99. You didn't think 99 was going to be my bae? I thought after you bought that Shock T poster to put above your bed that it was going to be Shock T. After I started worshiping at the idol of Shock T, yeah. I actually did so much Googling on her. I think she's so great. I saw that you ordered her robes. So. Oh my God. Yeah, and a little headdress too yeah yeah a little fake leku yeah but 99 is a 99 is the clear choice yeah he's he's been dealt a tough hand and does his job and as you said um his role is really understated as far as what he could be he's not allowed to live up to his full potential he's not and in those circumstances i would become embittered and i would become closed off resentful I would probably try to go AWOL just like heavy, but you Mm -hmm. know what? 99 responds to circumstances beyond his control and prejudice beyond his control with grace, openness, and kindness. And that is what saves Domino Squad. He is the reason why they rise above their petty squabbling Mm -hmm. and live up to their fullest potential. Shakti says, these are the finest soldiers I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. 99 did that. Yeah. He's a hero. Which makes Shakti seem like the super genius there for having uh, the right pressure in all the right places to move each squad of clones along. I want to just say one thing. I was reading a book recently where they're talking about this song that they sing at the whatever annual festival. Mm -hmm. And it's like their creation myth. And there's a moment of silence in the middle of the song where they say, There are so many acts of valor and kindness and selflessness during wartime that will never have a song sung about them. They will never be recognized. They will never be remembered, but they happened. And we hold a moment of silence to remember all of those actions. No one will ever commend 99 for what he did, but I think it is worth celebrating. Yeah. That's why he's my bae. And Heavy gave him a medal. And Heavy did give him a medal. Or any characters in supply lines worth noting? No. Okay. Jar Jar's great. Bale is great. Actually, you know, I really am quite fond of the Toydarian king. King Katunka. He actually, you know, I really like his whole thing about, yes, we have the values of compassion and honesty. Mm-hmm. I think that's very cool. Watto is a bad batch. <laughs> he's uh, a little defective. He's just skeezy. He's real skeezy. Yeah. And I, I do like, in this episode, they explored Toydaria. I mm-hmm. think it's fun. It's it's a very Star Wars thing to be like, remember that one alien that you saw two frames of in a cantina scene? We're going to make a whole episode about their planet. And back in the Legends era, people would be like, oh, yes, we're making a whole book about people riding rancors or whatever. And all of that was eaten up when uh, they ate all the legends and turned everything into, well, they ate all the previous canon and turned everything into legends. But it's still such a Star Wars thing to be like, ah, yes, let's have a whole episode about Watto's planet. That's why I'm here. I'm I'm here for it. Give me me an arc on everyone in the cantina scene. (laughs) I think it's an interesting thing with the Tardarians that there's very much a Middle Eastern vibe to their culture. Uh, their oh, accents, so? mm-hmm, their accents, they all carry uh, 
swords, like ceremonial swords, and they have a the strong traditions of honor, compassion, honor, honesty. and uh, grace to visitors. Yeah, hospitality, hospitality, mm-hmm. and I think that all of that is a shout out to really just all across the Middle East. A lot of virtues that are really expounded upon there. I think they're also rehabilitating the Toydarian culture because if all you see is Watto, you're like, F these guys. Yeah, who's this sketchy alien? With like a five o'clock shadow. And <laughs> stupid hat. <laughs> a stupid hat. <laughs> it is the dumbest hat. <laughs> y'all as always you can find us on social media at growing up skywalker if you like the show please leave us a review on your podcast app or send it to the jar jar conceptual artist in your life or you know the the person who helped you get to graduation oh my god send it to your high school mentor or to like the janitor who taught you how to play chess, like oh Queen's Gambit. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Send it to that guy. 99. In addition, if you'd like to get access to some really fun goodies, um, you can become one of our patrons. I have been uploading the notes that we don't get to from each episode, which are delightful, if I do say so myself. So there's <laughs> lots of bonus content for you. Next week, we're watching The Pilot, Yahoo! finally, which is Ambush, season one, episode one. It's a nine on the cryometer. And we're starting The Malevolence Arc, which is going to be season one, episode two. That's it for this Tuesday. Have a great week, y'all. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.